Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we have a very special privilege of having Buck Jacobs with us in studio. Buck Jacobs is the founder of C12, which was started right here in Tampa Bay and now has expanded across the nation. Buck Jacobs, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. It's a joy to be here. It, it is exciting to be in the studio with you. I, I feel bad we didn't get a chance to talk before the show. We'll get to know each other after the show, but you had a good time talking to Martha. Certainly. And, uh, you know, but I've, know, I've known about C12 for years and years and years now, but it's such a privilege. I just got done reading your, what do you want to call this, like an autobiography, right? I mean, it's really your story of how Christ moved in your life, right? Yeah, it's the backstory to C12. It's how C12 came to be and how God's worked in my life. I really wrote it for my grandkids. Really? Yeah. I wanted them to have a written record of how God had touched my life, changed my life, and provided for my life to produce the person that I am today that they only know is a skinny, bald old guy that talks about Jesus a lot. <laughs> The skinny bald old guy. Yeah. My kids are never my grandkids are never gonna call me the skinny bald guy. They're just gonna call me the big bald guy. Hey, I picked this verse, uh first Corinthians three, ten through fifteen, just to read as as a as a foundation for our conversation today. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on this foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. 
The fire will show if a person's judgment or if his person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive award and a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. I picked that verse up because you reference it in your book, and really it describes your life because there was a time in your life where you probably would have just escaped as one through flames, but your life has become a legacy Mm -hmm. for thousands and thousands of people across really the impacts probably in the hundreds of thousands of people because of the impact on all the business leaders lives and their employees. It's been a big impact. Well, that's all God's doing. Uh, And actually it's in the millions because when we, uh, when we get our guys together and we do what we call a strategic plan for ministry and we help them, uh, each business measure the impact that they have by the numbers of employees, customers, vendors, and just people they know because they're in business. And then we total the numbers. It's not unusual to see 20, 30 businesses have 2 to 3 million actual contacts with people. And we look at those contacts. Every contact is a chance to build a relationship, and every relationship is an opportunity to share Christ somehow. So, it's yeah, it is, it's, all, it's all God's doing. I, uh, I had an idea. I, uh, I'm an idea guy. I wanted the opportunity to, to uh, try the idea, and that's what happened. Started back here in Tampa Bay in 1992. All right. So before we, I don't want to, I don't want to cheat. I want to, I want to start from the beginning because I've read your book, but not everybody's had that opportunity. Although today we're going to give away a copy of your book, but we're also going to uh, let people know how they can get a hold of it online. But just talk to me today uh, about how Christ is making a difference today. You've, you've, you've got a very long legacy. As you said, you started C12 back in 1992. That's 23 years ago. Talk about how Christ is making an impact today. Well, you know, when I gave my life to Christ in 1973, uh, I told him that if it was real and if he had died to forgive my sins, which I had many of, uh, that I'd I'd accept him and I would do whatever he wanted for the rest of my life. And really, that's what I do today. I mean, Christ is the center of my life. He's been the center of my life. And because the unique way that he introduced me into body life, I think it's been a little easier than it may be for other people those that don't know the story, let me just share that I came to know Christ on a Sunday, and on the next day, my best friend called me and invited me to work in a business with him that he had committed to Christ. And uh, it was so clear to me that that was God's hand moving in my life, and I joined my friend, and we struggled to build a chemical uh, formulating business in the Chicago area uh, with a business idea of what would this company look like and how will we make our decisions if Jesus was the owner and chairman of the board. My friend was CEO and I was VP of sales. So right from the get-go, Christ was involved in my business life. And if you add my business life and my personal life, there's not a whole lot left. So um, I, uh, as I say, how is Christ impacting my life today? I have a daily quiet time that I seek his will for the day, for my life. I bring questions and problems to him and uh, spend time in the Word, trying to find answers and guidance. Um, it's just been the center of my life for 40-odd years now, and he still is, and he's more important to me today and more real to me today than ever. What I, what I love when you share your story, I mean, you, you, share, you don't share all the sordid details of the life you led before you came to Christ, but it was a fairly... It was a fairly tough story. I want people to hear the day before you came to Christ. Hey, today we have this super great privilege of sitting down with author, speaker, and the founder of the C12 Group, Buck Jacobs. And we're talking about building great businesses for a greater purpose. That's what C12 is all about. 
Buck, I want to step back to that. The day before you gave your life to Christ, you were sitting, there was, you were sitting, as you describe it, this is how I read it in your book. There's like this terrace area, this veranda area outside of your apartment, and there's some guys playing chess or checkers. I can't remember which one it was. Which one was it? There, it was actually backgammon. Oh, backgammon. That's what it was. And and somehow you got in a conversation with these guys, and you asked one. Somehow you got in a conversation about God, and this one guy said, "Well, I don't really know much, but I have a Bible. Let me just give you this Bible." Well, so we're, take it from there. Yeah, it was sort of like that. Yeah. Um, he said, uh, I I kind of poured my heart out to this guy that I had never met before, which is very unusual. And he, he looked at me and he said, Buck, you're a sharp young guy and you got a lot going for you, but you need God in your life. And it was like it was like I was dumbstruck because nobody had talked to me about that for a long time. And I said, well, OK, what should I do? And he said, well, I don't really know. <laughs> I said, thanks I a lot. That, that was great. <laughs> I said, uh, he said, well. I have some friends that are Jewish, and uh, one time when I was really troubled, they asked me to memorize three psalms. He said, why don't you do that? And I said, what are psalms? He said, well, they're in the Bible. Don't you have a Bible? I said, no. And he said, well, they gave me one. I don't use it anymore. I'll give it to you. So that's how it started. um, Obviously, there were a lot of circumstances that were going on preparatory to that in my life as God was working in my life. And uh, in retrospect, I can see it very clearly. But uh, I went up into his apartment, got the Bible. And I then got into the elevator to go up to my own apartment. And I had this thought of this friend of mine who had witnessed to me four years before, my friend Bob Mack. And I thought, I really ought to call Bob and ask him about God because I know he knows something about it. And uh, then the next thought was, yeah, but you don't have the guts to call him and let him know you have a need. And so uh, I walked into the apartment and uh, I walked in the living room and there on the cocktail table was a book that Bob had sent me. Uh, the uniqueness of that is I don't ever remember keeping the book. I'd had it for four years. I'd moved from Minneapolis to San Francisco to Rome, Italy, to Denver, and to Los Angeles. I never remember bringing the book with me, and there it was, from Bob. And I thought, well, I don't have the guts to call Bob, but I at least can read his book, and I did. I stayed up all night reading uh, uh, The Art of Understanding Yourself by Cecil Osborne. And I went to sleep at four in the morning knowing I needed to become a Christian, but the book didn't tell me how. And I got up in the morning to watch a football game on TV, turned on the TV, and there was Robert Schuler giving his message. And the message was on problems in life, and I had nothing but problems. And at the end of it, he gave an invitation, and by myself in the apartment, I knelt down by my coffee table and asked Jesus to forgive my sin and come into my life and told him that if he'd do that, I'd do whatever he wanted with the rest of it. Well, the interesting little trip on this is the next day at dinner on Monday, uh, my wife wasn't there that day. She'd been on a business trip and and, uh, our trip home, rather, to be with her family. Went to work the next day. She made dinner. We're having dinner, and I didn't know what to tell her. I knew something dramatic and wonderful had happened in my life, but I didn't know how to explain it. Um, I told her I'd give my life to God, and I I knew things were going to get better, but I didn't know what what, what that meant. And I started to tell her about my friend Bob, and the phone rang. And it was Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Praise the Lord. He does that kind of thing. He sure did. And when I heard Bob's voice on the phone, I knew that the deal that I'd made with God the day before was for real and it would never change. So that's how it all started. I grew up in an agnostic home. I had no church background, no biblical background. I I was what I would call a recovering hedonistic materialist following Hugh Hefner up to that point. And so I had a pretty dramatic life change. And, uh, Joined my friend in that business uh, within a couple of weeks, and we worked together for 10 years in the Chicago area. 
with the business that I described before. We're going to talk a lot about Buck's story today on the air, but I really want to get a copy of this book that he just wrote. It's it, Like I said, he wrote it for his grandchildren. It's called I Radical. It's fantastic. And I really, what I love was your transparency and your vulnerability in the story because you really mm-hmm. just laid it all out there. Yeah. And, and it makes a lot more sense now that you say you wrote it for your grandkids because yeah. you wanted them to see who grandpa really was. Exactly. And, and exactly. what do they call it? Do they call you grandpa? or what They do call, they call me Bumpy. Bumpy. Most of them do, yeah. All right. So, well, that's well, that's whatever they want to call you, just so they call you grandpa and don't call you late for dinner. Yeah, that's right. All right. So you got to introduce to the idea of connecting your faith to your workplace from your buddy, Bob Mack. Right. I mean, how did he ever figure that out? I mean, how did he know he was supposed to bring his faith to work? He was a business owner who came to faith late in life. He was like 30, 31, four years before I did. And... um he had a dramatic conversion, and Bob is the kind of guy that just goes all out. He only has one speed, that's straight ahead, flat out. He played fullback, I played halfback, and we've been best friends since we were 12 years old. And um, he found, after he gave his life to Christ, that his whole his whole orientation to life changed, and everything got better everywhere except at work. His family was better, his re- relationship with his wife was better, but at work it was still a struggle, and he just didn't find the peace and the joy in work that he found everywhere else. And somehow God sovereignly spoke to him. And one day he just got down behind his desk and he said, God, um, I can't live two lives. you got to be God here. If I can't serve you here, I'll leave this place and I'll go be a coach or a missionary or a pastor or whatever you want. But if, if I'm going to stay in this business, which his father had started and he'd been in for a number of years, um, you need to you needs to be yours, and he so he committed the business to Christ, and um, that was about a year and a half before he called me, and he his story is that all the uh, you know he began to get some real creative ideas on creative chemistry for products, and the market started to open up. The timing was just very unique that uh, his specialty is uh, synthetic lubricants, and this was just during the oil embargo, and petrochemicals were hard to get and stuff, so. He started to see that he had a great marketing opportunity, but he's really a scientist and a a chemist, and he's not a sales organizer. And he started to think and pray about, well, who could I get to really put together the sales team for this business? And my name came to his mind. And so he mentioned it to his wife, Holly, and she said, well, you've got to be kidding. Buck's the biggest heathen we know. We couldn't have him come into your business. <laughs> That's <laughs> you fantastic. Christ. And so that went on. That dialogue went on for a couple of weeks. And finally she said, well, why don't you just call Buck and see what's going on in his life? So that's what generated his call And the day after I had come to Christ. Right, we're talking today with Buck Jacobs. He's the founder of C12. And you can find him online at c12grouptampabay.com. These guys are the premier Christian business roundtable to discussion group listen if you're a business owner or business leader here in tampa bay and you want to know how who are the other people in tampa bay that want to put their faith at the forefront of how they run a business if you want to know how to do it yourself and be surrounded by people that are like-minded you need to check out c12 group find them online at c12 group tampa bay.com buck as we as we hear your story there's lots of one-liners i've heard from you you, you got all kinds of youtube videos but i'm a one-liner <laughs> kind of guy and, and you say in one of your youtube videos and also and I, I read it in one of your books somewhere sorry i'm not not sure which one it was, but that listen, we really have a 23 hour day. The mm-hmm. first hour is the Lord's. Well, that was a realization that really changed my life about well, maybe 25 years ago. Uh, it was just when I was starting to work with the Fellowship of Companies for Christ, and I heard God speak to me in a you know, in an intuitive way, it wasn't a weird voice, but I, I felt God say, Buck, if you want to be effective in the lives of other people, I want the first hour of your day. Now, I tried to have. 
a daily quiet time for 15 years and failed up to that point. I'd do it for a few days. I'd quit. I'd feel guilty. I'd stay away from it for a while, start it up again. I did manage to read the Bible for at least five minutes a day, but I didn't have anything like a solid hour with God. But somehow this time I knew he was serious. I knew it was important. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll give it 90 days. And if at the end of 90 days it isn't really working, I'll talk to you about it. (laughs) I'll talk to you about it later. And so that's when I said that that what will make it work is I have to make it non-negotiable that the first hour of my day belongs to him, and I spend it with him, and I do whatever he wants to do during that hour. Of course, he's laid out different criteria and different formats that I've used during that hour over the last 25 years. Um, and and that's really the key that I've taught and shared with other people, is that if you want to have a successful quiet time, you got to make it non-negotiable, because if you don't, life will take over, you'll get distracted, you'll go on vacation, or something else will happen, and you'll stop, and then you won't get started again. I've, I've just heard that story so many times from so many leaders, and um, so that's what I did, and it changed my life more than anything else that I've ever done, and I, I believe that it is what allowed God to do through me what he's done that's eventually became the C12 group. Because this is about four or five years before I started the C12 group. And um, I'm not qualified. I have no background to believe that I could ever be used to start anything like the C12 group. But what I get in the morning in that hour from God uh, is the fuel that laid the foundation that's allowed it all to happen. If I think I truly believe that I had not obeyed and not given him that first hour, I wouldn't be sitting here today. We wouldn't be having this conversation. You know, what I think is great is in the book, you talk about how that first time you went on vacation with your your wife and your girls, and you were in like a one-bedroom, <laughs> I don't know, it was a hotel room or one-bedroom condo, and, and you... you that was you had to make that commitment, and that was the first day that was a really a challenge for you. It was, and I knew I had to, I I had to do it, and there was nowhere to do it. It was just one room, so I said, "Well, I'll just get up and go in the bathroom." And that's what I did. Sat on the floor in the bathroom was my first daily quiet time. It, fan, it, it's just a fantastic story, and it's been inspirational for me. You know, Ross Harrop, who's one of my mentors and, and really one of my accountability partners, it, it challenged me when he told me about your comment on the twenty-three hour day, I'm like. I've been reading my Bible for years and having quiet time, but not that I'm I'm a get up and go like your buddy mm-hmm. Bob, and I'm a full full steam ahead without mm-hmm. caffeine. I'm mm-hmm. full steam ahead, and I get up and I go run. And Martha, when she gets up in the morning, she is like the Energizer Bunny, and so I have to get up before her and go to a place far away from her mm-hmm. when she gets up. Otherwise, I can't have that quiet time. But it is uh, really it's only been the five, past five or six years that I've dedicated that first hour before it would be the end of the day or the beginning of the day whenever I had time. But And it was in between the day. But it was uh, uh, but fantastic. Really but big impact. That's the same thing I did. The, the, what you just described. But I kept reading these biographies of great Christians like Hudson Taylor and George Mueller and Mother Teresa and so forth. And they all testified that they had to have that first hour with God. And that's what you know, propelled and powered them to do the great things that they had done. And I thought, well, I I want God to use my life. And so I've got to do it. And then that was the key commitment time where God said, if you want to be effective in the lives of others, I want your first hour. And when you really think about it, it just gives you such a great start to the day to be to have a time to pray, to read God's word, to listen for him, to read books to build you up in, you know, either your business life or your spiritual life. You can't beat it. And, and, and obviously the enemy doesn't want us to do it. That's why he makes it so confusing to try to get started. But and that's why I say if you make it non-negotiable, it's a 23 hour day. 
Well, what's funny for me is that the Lord started waking me up at six o'clock in the morning about six or seven years ago, and I kept ignoring him. <laughs> I never have. I have not set an alarm in forever. Every once in a while, when we go to bed really late, I'll set an alarm just to make sure I'm out of bed. But without fail, mm-hmm. I wake up at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if that's what it takes. I'm going to do it. But it, I, I mean, I wake up and I'm like, really? At six o'clock? I look over at six o'clock. Wow, Lord, come on. Can I just sleep in one day? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's incredible. Let's, let's go back to your book. We're talking today with Buck Jacobs. He's a founder of C12 Group. If you don't know anything about C12 Group, go out to their website, for their local website here in Tampa Bay, c12grouptampabay.com. This is a Christian business roundtable discussion group. As I describe it, if you're a Christian business owner or a Christian business leader, and you want to be surrounded by other people who are really trying to figure out how do I connect my faith and my work and what does that look like in every aspect of my business, whether I'm running HR or running my receivables, my payables, whether I'm trying to produce a P&L or a balance sheet, how do I do this and how do I glorify the Lord with it? That's what C12 Group is all about. And the material that C12 Group provides to the people that participate in the groups, it's all it is the top-notch material out there. It's so powerful. Every paragraph that they go through is chock full of a half-an-hour conversation. But find out more about them online at c12grouptampabay.com. All right, Buck, in your, your book you call you call yourself a radical. Mm-hmm. How did, you know, most people don't think of themselves as a radical. But your passion about your faith, how did that First Corinthians passion that I read at the beginning, First Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, how did that convict you and drive you into action for Christ? Well, it didn't really happen that way. It was more of a of a development through the daily quiet time study and thinking about just what is a Christian life, reading the biographies of great Christians, looking at, I got to know Bill Bright personally for a while, and people that, you know, have really made an impact for Christ. Uh, and then just studying the Word, really the, the foundation of... Uh, the, the the switch to First Corinthians chapter three was Ephesians chapter two verse ten, which says, "Where for where is his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them?" And I thought, well, okay, then God's had a plan for my life, and I'm reading just reading through Corinthians, and I see, oh, there's going to be a judgment of my works. Second Corinthians five ten says. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one must re- may receive what he's done in the body, good or bad. And so it was just really as I'm trying to put my life together, you know, as a father, as a business owner, as a Christian and living in the body of Christ. What's it all about? What's it going to come to? What's going to happen later? I saw, well, and, you know, these things are important. And the more I the more I've grown in it, though, Jim, I really realize that it's it's not about conviction. It's about love. It's about being loved and loving Jesus back and realizing that he had a plan for me before he made the earth. And I, the, the only way I can show that I really love him is to do it. So to seek it out and to do it is the greatest success that a Christian can have. So it isn't so much of a convicting, powering thing. It's just that, okay, that's it makes sense to me that if I'm here for a purpose and there's going to be an accounting, I ought to be about my father's business and doing it as well as I can. And what's sad is so many Christ followers miss that opportunity because they're not asking the Lord, 
hey, what should I be doing here? Mm-hmm. They miss it. I, I will tell you, I would not be on radio had I not asked that question mm-hmm. because that was never, all of my friends that have known me for 40 plus years never heard me say, Jim, you want to be a radio <laughs> radio talk show host? And they're like, no, that was never <laughs> it. So I understand that taking that step of faith and going, okay, Lord, this, your plan's different than my plan. Mm-hmm. And, and But that's really, if you really were to look at just that obedience factor, mm-hmm. uh, how, what's, how have you learned, this is not the list of questions I told you, you can ask you, but how have have you learned to best hear the the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because that's being able to hear his voice and then listen to what he has to say and then be obedient. That is the biggest discipline I have struggled with in my life. Well, the, the foundational thing that I, that kind of helped me in that is I, I journal. And in my quiet time, journaling is a key component. It's a, uh, in a, uh, uh, a part of my, my journal every day is I finish my quiet time writing a letter to God. And as I write that letter, I ask him questions. Lord, what about this? And I sit quietly, and sometimes a scripture comes to mind, sometimes a thought comes, and I process through that. And I, you know, because I journal every day, seven days a week, I've got a continual stream of uh, life going on with God. And then often during the day or during the quiet time, something will come up that I've got to carry into the day. And, uh, at the same time, I, I study people who who focus their lives on what's called the exchanged life or the replaced life or the deeper life. People like A.W. Tozer, uh, George Mueller is a great hero of mine, Mother Teresa Hudson Taylor. And I, I try to understand how they say they hear from God, and I try to apply those things in my life. And, uh, and, and God, you know, if this is all true, if God does have a plan for our lives, and if we are going to be accountable somehow for uh, fulfilling that plan. It's ridiculous to think that God won't tell us what it is or give us what we need in order to do it. We have a saying in C12 that I I believe that uh, I commit my life to. It's I will always have everything I need to do everything God wants. And that must be true or God isn't sovereign and God isn't uh, omniscient or uh, omnipowerful. And he wouldn't call you to do something if he didn't plan on equipping you. Yeah, or to withhold it and then come to the judgment later and say, well, I know you didn't have what you needed to do this, but I'm going to whack you for it. You know, that's ridiculous. That's totally not the picture of God that we have. That's not the Heavenly Father that we serve. All right, Buck, you had an incredible life story, which you've written in your book, I Radical, which people can get that online. If they go to C12 Group, they can get a copy of that book, can't they? They can get it from Amazon. It'll be we're, not Kindle. Say, we're not allowed to say that A word on this <clears throat> on the show because Martha runs a bookstore. So. Oh, okay. Uh, it's okay. No, he's. I'm just kidding with him. <laughs> yeah, you can get on Amazon, but can you get on C12 Group's website as well? Yeah, sure. All right, mm-hmm. fantastic. Well, I want to drive everybody to C12Group.com. You may not be a business leader or a business owner, but you may know people who are, and if they're not in a C12 Group, they should be because if you want to know how to connect your faith to your workplace, really to take the rest of your life that you spend most of your time in and actually put the Lord at the front, the forefront of that, C12 Group can disciple you and show you exactly how to do that. And you'll be right alongside other business people who are trying to figure out the same thing at the exact same time. So, Buck, you you you, you came to Christ and your buddy Bob says, hey, come sell for me because mm-hmm. I have no idea how to sell this synthetic mm-hmm. lubricant product, which went on to be pretty incredible product. It enabled really that synthetic product enabled people to make the aluminum cans and the aluminum. I mean, we shifted from steel cans mm-hmm. to aluminum cans for our pop. Mm-hmm. That's true. People uh, don't know what pop is. For those of you here in Tampa Bay, <laughs> pop is what you call soda, but I'm from Minnesota. We call it pop. And you're from Illinois. You, you're a mismatch. You're from everywhere. What, what do you call it? Pop or soda? Coca-Cola. I live in Atlanta now. <laughs> you call it, not everything's a Coke, Buck. Although, although I know Coca-Cola is good. Okay. So 
you, you working with Bob was really a training ground on how to keep your faith at the forefront of everything you did. It was. And we uh, we had no guidelines. We had no organizations to help. We uh, simply started to meet before work with the Word. We'd read a chapter and we'd say, how does this apply? And uh, God entered in and he made it very clear, very quickly that he wanted to be involved in the everyday of life. Um, business situations would come up. We would have no answers. We'd be in the Word. We'd be praying and talking. And that's what I meant earlier. I said, Christ was involved in, in everything. And Something would happen. I mean, I, we don't have time today, Jim, but I could tell stories for hours of how God interdicted our lives in that in that 10-year period. Uh, in fact, a ministry from California one time hired me to tell those stories, and I ran out a two-reel tape recorder just telling stories of God did this and how we had that. We had this need. God financed the business. We grew tenfold in seven years uh, during the worst economy that, that uh, this country's known for many, many, many years, from 73 to 83, um, we couldn't borrow money, and God figured out a way for us to grow 10 to 40% a year, and it's impossible. He provided the people, the resources, and so forth. So this was, a, this was the training ground, and really my heart is that C12 would reflect what God taught me there. And uh, because it was so exciting, it was so much fun, we saw more people come to Christ through our business than we did through our church. And that's the model that developed and ultimately is, is C12. And, uh, I want you to say that statement again. You have more people come to Christ. Right. We saw more people led to Christ through business relationships with uh, our customers, with our uh, our salespeople would lead, lead, Christ to, uh, lead people to Christ in airplanes and so forth. Our, our shipping clerk was our number one soul winner. He had truck drivers coming in and out of the plant all day, every day. Uh, he'd have a chance to witness to them when they're hungover or whatever. Uh, yeah, our, our business saw more people come to Christ through business relationships than we did through our church. And our church was a good evangelical church, but people don't expect to encounter Christ in the marketplace. And Jim, today, 70% of all of our people don't go to church and won't go to church, but they do go business and they do meet Christians in business. And if the Christians are released and understand that they're missionaries, that they're ambassadors for Christ, wherever they are, they can have an impact for the kingdom right there. It's, It's the most fruitful mission field available to Christians today, in my opinion. We say it on the air all the time that you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees ever meet. Absolutely. Because people aren't going to church. No. They may never darken the doorstep of a church, but they go to work every day. Absolutely. And so that it is a huge mission field. You know, we lost that first cultural battle, but the next battle, we're taking it to the workplace. Mm -hmm. And and we've got... it is going to be a powerful battle. The enemy doesn't want to see us succeed, but I really believe that's where the huge revival is going to come that's been predicted forever. It's going to happen in the workplace, and that's why the churches just need to be really proactive in equipping us as Christ followers so that we're ready to take our faith with us into the, off, into the Ab- workplace. And that's absolutely. what C12 is doing each and every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I'll say this. If, if we're going to see revival, it won't happen without the workplace because there's too many people that aren't impacted by the church today. And so if we're really going to see revival, uh, it must it must happen in the workplace. So your your time at the Mac company with your buddy Bob uh, led you then to getting involved with FCCI, right. which is still around today, the Fellowship of Christian Companies International, I think is what it stands for, Fellowship right? Fellowship of Companies for Christ International. Sorry, I had it backwards. Companies for yeah. Christ International. Okay, that's still around today. What did they want you to do? Uh, well, I was, a, I was their um, area coordinator for the state of Florida. 
that was after we sold the business and, re- and semi-retired, came to Florida to start a golf ministry, got involved with FCCI and a local, fel- starting their local fellowship groups. But, and what and, year was that you came to Florida to start a golf ministry? 1984. Now, was 275 under construction in 1984? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just have to ask that. People come down and they're like, is road construction ever done here? Uh, no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, well, sorry. So, th- so you came down here to start a golf ministry, but you got sucked into the FCCI. Yeah, because golf ministry doesn't take all that much time. You plan events, you have events, and so forth. And I had time on my hands, and a friend of mine called me from Chicago, said, "Hey, FCCI wants to start small groups, and we had one in our business." And he said, "Why don't you go see if you can be helpful?" And I did, and that's the start of the story. Actually, the C-12 model was developed for FCCI. I intended it to be a part of FCCI, but uh, the leadership at that time and I couldn't see eye to eye on uh, the appropriateness of it. And uh, I I always saw it as a for-profit model and that we would charge for membership, and they weren't comfortable with that. So the decision had to be made to stay with the FCCI uh, model or to start C12, and obviously I chose to to, uh, leave and start C12. Christians have a hard time with the for-profit model for some reason, and and it doesn't make sense to me. If the Lord wants you in it, why can't it be for-profit? You don't need to be begging for money. I mean, the Lord's given us all these incredible skills, these business skills. Let's. See, I mean, Paul was a tent maker. He was a for-profit model. Sure. People people don't think about the St. Paul. You know, there's a city named after him, a cathedral or two named after him. He was a for-profit model. He made it work. Well, we should do it every day. I mean, <laughs> I work for him as a for-profit ministry. Absolutely. Well, you see, when people challenge me on that, I said, he says, you shouldn't charge for the gospel. I say, we don't. It's the business advice we charge for. <laughs> so, right, and, but the gospel comes along with it because it absolutely. fits hand in it's hand. It's integral with it. No, I'm teasing. You know, Scripture says not to muzzle the ox when he's treading out the grain, and those that preach the gospel should earn their living from the gospel. And so it's just, to me, it's it's a very natural thing that, that we should play in the same ballpark with the same rules that our members do. They're for-profit businesses. They don't have the privilege at the end of the year to write letters underlined in red saying, hey, we didn't run our organization very well this year. Would you send us some more money so we can do it again next year? They have to produce a product that's of value to the people they're serving and that's worth more than they charge for it. We want to be in the same uh, 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 pressures in the same arrangement that they are. It's just that simple. And so when we talk to people, we say, look, it's a business proposition. This is what it costs. We'll give you a money-back guarantee for a year. If you don't like it, we'll give you all your money back. And uh, we haven't had to do that in 23 years. That's fantastic. We're talking today with Buck Jacobs. He's the founder of the C12 Group, and you can find him online right here in Tampa Bay at c12grouptampabay.com. This was founded over 23 years ago here in Tampa Bay, and it is a ministry. Really, it's a, as we just said, a for-profit ministry that mentors Christian business people on how to Mm. incorporate their faith into every aspect of their business. And it is a one-day commitment a month where you as a business leader can really learn all about incorporating your faith into every aspect, whether it's your receivables, your payables, your your financials, your HR department, your marketing, it doesn't matter. It addresses all those things, and you're in a room with like-minded people. Find out more about them online at c12grouptampabay.com. Buck, you went to, so FCCI gave you this training ground on these small groups, and they didn't want to do it, this model, and they and so you left and you started C12. Right. And, and how did it grow? I mean, because you had people alongside you. Martin Newby was part of your uh, original team. Yes, was he, he was. Were you just friends with Martin and he just encouraged you to do it? Or I mean, how did that work? Oh, Mark and I, Martin and I had met through FCCI years before. <clears throat> and I had asked him to be a spiritual uh, guide and counselor to me. 
And uh, so I had shared the whole process with Martin. He's He's been a rock to me for many, many years, probably 30 or more years. Uh, but the idea came because FCCI was having a problem sustaining their field people. And the, the C-12 model to me was a way of having a self-funded field for FCCI. And they didn't see it that way, but that's really what it is. We do all the same things that we did back in the FCCI days. We just do it as a for-profit business model. And uh, so when the decision was made to leave FCCI, Martin was a part of praying through that decision and a counselor to me. And then he became one of the early uh, C-12 group members. Now, the C-12 group has meetings on a monthly basis from 9 until 4. Mm-hmm. And and that's a big objection for some people. They say, well, I couldn't possibly give up seven hours of my day to work on my business. Mm-hmm. How do you overcome that objection? Well, I say if you if you really feel that way, you, you just prove that you really do need to be a part of the C-12 group because you don't have a business. The business has you. And if you don't have the time, you you need to learn how to delegate. You need to learn how to, uh, you know, to spread the uh, responsibility through your business. You need to learn how to have a life, not just a company. And uh, everybody that we talk to, all uh, 1,500 members across the country, that's their first reaction. Oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. Uh, you know, how can I give up a day? And the, the answer is that you can't afford not to give up a day if you're going to stay ahead of the learning curve to stay in the in the in the game the way the business world is growing and changing today. And to be in the presence of 11, 12 or 13 other Christ-centered, knowledgeable, successful business owner is a, is a priceless thing, really. It is a valuable thing. And if every business owner knows that you can't be constantly working in your business, you got to be working on your business. And to every great business owner always takes a day a month and invests in their business. They get away from the craziness, and that's what C12 provides. Yeah, it's a commitment to continual learning. You have to stay ahead. You have to be a learner in order to be successful and to stay in the game these days. And we there are so many different learning opportunities in a day at C12 meeting. There's the materials that they study. There's the common sharing of problems where a lot of times you learn something from somebody else's problem and the advice that they get from somebody that's not even in the same business that you're in. So it's a it's a really a day. We call it a Sabbath day or a day of rest where you step back from the business. You look at life from a strategic perspective, not a tactical perspective. And, and you're able to listen to accomplished business owners that have the same worldview that you do. The conversations that happen around the table in a C12 group. I've gotten to visit one time. I've not, I haven't since I lived in Tampa Bay. I haven't had a business where I had enough employees to qualify me for C12. But it is amazing how the spirit moves around the table in the just all of the other business leaders mm-hmm. uh, and how they can share and pour into each other's lives and be that source of encouragement. Because a lot of Christian small business owners, they don't have a board of directors. Mm-hmm. They don't have a board of advisors a lot of time. And a lot of them don't have mentors. And this is a way to get all of those things in one. I want to thank you for listening to the show. It's been a very special privilege having Buck Jacobs, the founder of C12 Group, on our show. Go out, go out online and check him out, c12grouptampabay.com. Hey, based on today's discussion, we're going to take the city for Christ, and we're going to do it by starting each and every day with an hour on our knees.
As we learned today by Buck, from Buck Jacobs, that first hour of the day, it's the Lord's. We have a 23-hour day, not a 24-hour day. The first hour of the uh, hour is for the Lord. And we need to take that so seriously because the battle in the workplace for the souls of our coworkers and employees, it's an intense battle. And we need to be equipping ourselves each and every day. And we do that in our quiet time every morning. And we need to be praying for our coworkers and employees each and every day. Make that commitment by going onto the I Work For Him website and joining the I Work For Him nation and saying, I'm going to pray for the people that I work alongside each and every day. Go out to I Work For Him and join the I Work For Him nation. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, ultimately, I work for him.